Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Last night, Governor Gavin Newsom delivered his annual State of the State Address, this time from Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, which has served as a mass COVID-19 testing and vaccination site. The governor's speech focused on the pandemic's toll on California and how the Golden State will recover. With more, here's KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati. Newsom spoke for roughly 30 minutes, but his 2021 agenda can be summarized in one line. Getting kids back to school, getting shots and to arms, getting the economy back on its feet. These are urgent priorities. School reopenings, vaccine distribution and economic recovery will go a long way toward determining whether Newsom can reverse his slumping approval numbers. On Tuesday night, the governor touted the billions of dollars he's budgeted in just the last few weeks to send Californians $600 checks and fund a return to classroom learning. But he also acknowledged that his response to the pandemic has not been flawless. I know our progress hasn't always felt fast enough. And look, we, we've made mistakes. I, I have made mistakes, but we own them. We learn from them, and we never stop trying. Of the 3,600 words that Newsom uttered, recall was not one of them. But the governor did have a response to critics who were trying to remove him from office. We're not going to change course just because of, of a few naysayers and, and doomsdayers. Hours before Newsom took the field at Dodger Stadium, Republican gubernatorial hopeful Kevin Faulkner started swinging. In a recorded speech, the former San Diego mayor said Newsom has been slow to help students and small businesses. Gavin Newsom has had almost unlimited emergency powers for a year. And for months, we gave him the benefit of the doubt. But time and time again, he has completely failed on delivering the basics. The campaign to recall Newsom from office has one week to deliver the signatures they need to qualify an election. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. The governor also touted his track record on the state's other big emergency, homelessness. With more on that, here's KQED's Aaron Baltasari. California has grappled with rising homelessness for years. You know, this is a crisis predating the pandemic. Last year, Newsom dedicated his entire State of the State address to the topic. This year, he touted the success of two programs, one that places people vulnerable to COVID-19 in hotels, and another that will create 6,000 new units of permanent housing. But Newsom acknowledged there's more work to be done, as more than 151,000 residents are homeless on any given night. We are mindful that these tent cities on our sidewalks, these encampments along our freeways, they simply remain unacceptable. His proposed budget includes nearly $2 billion in housing and health services for people experiencing homelessness. 
For the California Report, I'm Aaron Baldessari. Several California Republicans criticized the governor and what he failed to address in his State of the State speech. That included Assemblyman Vince Fong of Bakersfield, who spoke to CAP Radio. The governor didn't mention the EDD and the hundreds of thousands of Californians that are trapped uh, in red tape and bureaucracy. I didn't see any details of how he was going to fix a State Department under his watch. And it's that ineptitude of states, of state government, and the fact that many small businesses now are, are, have shut down permanently, these are actions by the governor. And as has been the case throughout much of the pandemic, Republicans also criticized Newsom for acting alone rather than working with lawmakers on both sides of the aisle on solutions during the crisis. In his State of the State address, the governor also noted that the capacity of Dodger Stadium, where he spoke, nearly matches the more than 50,000 lives lost in California because of the pandemic. A new economic forecast out of UCLA predicts that California's economy will likely bounce back faster from the pandemic than the nation's as a whole. State unemployment numbers are expected to drop this year and reach near pre-pandemic numbers around 4% by 2023. The forecast also downplays many predictions that there will be a major exodus of businesses from California in response to the pandemic. But it's not all good news in the UCLA Anderson forecast. The study also predicts lagging tourism numbers will continue to impact the state's hospitality industry. And LA Unified and its teachers union have reached a tentative deal that would get younger students back in the classroom by mid-April and middle and high school students by the end of the same month. Like many other districts, the agreement provides for a hybrid model, combining online and in-person instruction, with students kept in small groups while on campus. Families would still have the option of keeping students in remote learning full-time. There will be safety guidelines in place at schools, including COVID testing for staff and students, and masks would be required. Teachers and staff will not have to return to work until they've had access to COVID-19 vaccinations. The agreement still needs to be approved by the union and the Board of Education. And when the pandemic hit one year ago, many home-based childcare providers in California saw their businesses fall apart almost overnight. But in San Diego, a coalition of local organizations has helped many childcare providers stay in business and in some cases even thrive. With more, here's KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler. Last March, Somali immigrant Safio Jama saw her home-based childcare business in the City Heights neighborhood of San Diego fall apart. When the pandemic hit, children were kept home. Their parents couldn't pay for care anymore. And Jama's own revenue dropped precipitously. The year ago, pandemic, when it started, it was, it hit us, especially me, it hit me hard. I lost a lot of kids, a lot of families who couldn't keep their jobs. That's when a coalition of local groups, including the Horn of Africa, the Chicano Federation, the International Rescue Committee, the YMCA, and San Diego State University stepped up. They launched a pilot program meant to keep these vital local institutions alive during a time when many essential workers in this immigrant neighborhood still had to go into work. Abdul Rahman Ibrahim, the Senior Child Care Program Coordinator at the International Rescue Committee, explains the pilot program was not only meant to help support the businesses financially, but with other support like marketing and bookkeeping. This is a lifeline for our uh, underserved community. So this is what we provide for providing the, the technical, the, the coaching, the 
sustaining their business. So we're trying to sustain their business to make sure they not um, fall behind from what's going on with this pandemic. Between March and July 2020, more than 9,300 licensed child care providers went out of business in California, with home-based child care providers like Safio Jamas representing 80% of those closures. But none of the 15 businesses that reopened to children last spring and took part in the 12-week training program had to close their doors. Some even increased their revenues and enrollment as compared to before the pandemic. Safio Jama now has a waiting list. She thinks the most valuable assistance she received was finding ways to connect with the larger immigrant community and being made aware of funding opportunities for immigrant child care providers. As a community, as a Somali community, as uh, Oromos, Ethiopian, Sp- Spanish speakers, all that, mostly who does uh, uh, child care will benefit a lot. Uh, they send us email us, let us know what is coming our way, where we can apply, how we can uh, make big our business, all the grants coming up. Jama pointed out how for businesses run out of one's home, even just locating rental assistance can be a major boon for these small child care providers. For The California Report, I'm Max Revlin-Adler in San Diego. I am Sasha Koka, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. In other news, state legislation has been introduced that would require health companies to pay frontline health workers more as compensation for difficult working conditions faced during the pandemic. KQED's Alice Wolfley has more. Gabriel Montoya is an EMT in Downey. He remembers two colleagues whose family members were admitted to his hospital with COVID-19. So they're downstairs and they're doing the work for the patients. And upstairs, they had two family members in ICU, both of which passed away. AB 650 would require medical institutions with more than 100 employees to pay all frontline health care staff a quarterly bonus equivalent to $5 an hour beginning in 2022. Assemblymember Al Muratsuchi of Torrance authored the bill. These caregivers have been absolutely heroic for the last year. This is the right thing to do. The legislation is intended to increase worker retention and address burnout that many workers are feeling one year into the pandemic. Jay Emerson Shea of the California Hospital Association says they haven't decided whether to support the bill or not, but adds that hospitals are always looking at ways to improve retention. It's not just pay, it's many other things that help, you know, uh, an individual decide whether they want to stay with their job or not. She says in 2020, many hospitals did offer extra shift pay, temporary housing and child care to support workers through the pandemic. 
Union supporters of the bill point out that many healthcare companies made billions in profit last year and should set aside some of that money for their workers. For the California Report, I'm Alice Wolfley. In Los Angeles County, the Board of Supervisors wants to expand the hours of county-run COVID-19 vaccine sites. As KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports, the goal is to get more essential workers vaccinated. Essential workers often work at night or in the early morning hours, making it difficult for them to get vaccinated at many of the county's sites, which often close in the early evening. Many of them are Black or Latino. The supervisors passed a motion calling on the public health department to figure out how much it would cost to operate the sites for extended hours, including overnight. Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer told the board the county is already meeting the state's vaccine equity requirements. So it's very easy for us to actually meet the governor's requirement that 40% of the doses go into the hardest hit communities because we already had allocated 55% of the doses uh, in those hard hit communities. Some states like New York have had overnight testing and vaccination clinics for months. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. And good news for fans of Disneyland. The Anaheim Park officially plans to reopen sometime next month. That's because of falling coronavirus numbers in Orange County. As KCRW's Tara Atrion reports, Disneyland will look a little different when people do return. CEO Bob Chapek says an exact date will be announced later, but the goal is to reopen Disneyland and California Adventure by late April. Of course, there will be restrictions, limited capacity, in-state visitors only, and no indoor dining, among other things. But it's the first big step for theme parks, which have been shuttered for almost a year. California officials have cleared those attractions to reopen next month if they're located in a county that's in the second most restrictive tier, the red tier of the state's reopening framework. And Orange County is on track as long as it maintains its low case and positivity rates through the weekend. It's also contingent on the state administering enough vaccines to residents from underserved communities. The magic number of doses for that is 2 million. For the California Report, I'm Tara Atrion in Los Angeles. And a big part of Disneyland's reopening will involve recalling more than 10,000 furloughed employees. And that's the California Report for this Wednesday, March 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now, with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Stanford Medicine. Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!
Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.